Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Welcome to Arkansas Row Crops Radio. My name is Bill Robertson, Cotton Extension Agronomist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture Cooperative Extension Service. Joining me today is Karen Wynn. She's the USA Program Coordinator with the Better Cotton Institute, or BCI. A special thanks go to BCI for sponsoring this podcast, which is part of a series to highlight the benefits of improving soil health. This is in an effort toward documenting continuous improvement on the farm to ultimately improve profitability of our producers, as well as provide a source of verified, sustainably produced fiber that the cotton supply chain desires. Karen, we're glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today. Karen, uh, thank you. But before we begin our visit today, I'd, I'd like to give a little bit of background information for our discussion. You know, climate change was a big news item uh, prior to COVID-19, but it's still a very important issue. Regardless of your view on climate change, it is really driving a lot of what we see going on here. Agriculture offers one of the most immediate, affordable, and scalable opportunities to play a central role in climate change mitigation. This is the basics or the basis for all the programs through USDA NRCS targeting agriculture practices that can have a positive impact on climate change. Consumer response to climate change is really driving the corporations to become active in this arena, not just to meet the wants and needs of their customers, but to also address the wants and needs of their stockholders and investors. Many have set lofty goals, and now they're really trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do these? How are we going to meet them? Some of their goals can be met with changes inside their organization, but most of the time they need to impact other segments of the supply chain, starting with raw products that they source. Many brands have set goals to source 100% sustainable fiber, and most of these plans are, are set to be accomplished by 2025. U.S. Cotton wants to make sure our cotton can be used to help them meet their goals. U.S. Cotton producer leadership has set goals for improving cotton production sustainability metrics. They want to improve land use or yield 13% and soil carbon by 30%. And then we want to reduce soil loss by 50%, water use by 18%, energy use by 15%, and greenhouse gas emissions by 39%. So these, these goals will help support the goals set by the entire supply chain. So, Karen, with all this said, share with us exactly what what is BCI and how does BCI fit in with all this? As I'm, I'm sure there must be some type of process to assure brands are really getting sustainable cotton that they want. Sure, Bill. The Better Cotton Initiative is a global nonprofit organization. It's the largest cotton supply sustainability program in the world. BCI exists to make global cotton production better for the people who produce it, better for the environment it grows in, and better for the sector's future. We have over 1,800 members, and they come from all sectors of the cotton supply chain, as well as uh, nonprofit and government organizations. BCI was established to build supply and demand for cotton that's produced in a better way for farmers and for the environment. So BCI owns and operates the world's largest cotton sustainability standard in the world. We aim to transform cotton production worldwide by developing better cotton as a sustainable mainstream commodity. We're we're not creating a niche product. 
And in 2018, 24% of global cotton from over 2 million farmers in 23 countries was licensed as better cotton. So, so that's pretty good progress in, in less than 10 years. As you said, many retailers, retailers and brands have targeted sustainability goals for the next decade, including sourcing 100% sustainable fiber. These goals are in response to consumer and shareholder demand, but they rely on licensing or certification programs to verify that the product meets an acceptable level of sustainability. And so they're actively involved in BCI's programs and development of the standards. It's also really important to recognize that cotton growers are already building more resilient farms and, and they've been adopting a whole slate of practices that improve their farming systems and profitability and have a positive impact on the environment. So many of our growers are already on that path to meet their own sustainability goals and, and we're verifying work that they've already done. Well, great. Well, how does the BCI program work? The Better Cotton Standard rests on seven principles, and each comes with specific criteria that define the practices. So uh, our seven principles are crop protection, water stewardship, soil health, biodiversity, fiber quality, decent work, and effective management systems. Our standards focus on continuous improvement and planning, so we expect that all licensed growers across the globe meet some basic requirements, but also that they're setting realistic goals to improve their farms along these principles. So in the spring, growers who've signed up complete a self-assessment that reviews their practices. It's an online survey that asks growers how they're implementing each of those seven principles. And then a sample of the, those farms receive a farm visit during the season, either from an implementing partner, a BCI staff, or a third-party verifier. And then in the winter, we ask each grower to submit end-of-year data, including final acreage yield, water use, and, and total amounts of all inputs. So growers need to meet co core criteria and be committed to improvements. Generally, if growers are committed to participating, they've been able to meet the criteria. So we don't deny many licenses, but we find that many start the process and then elect to remove themselves at some point if they don't meet the criteria or just aren't willing to fully participate. Okay. Well, you mentioned a while ago that the, the, the growers are signed up, but how does a grower sign up? Most of our growers are signed up with a, what we call an implementing partner, and usually they're a cotton merchant or a, a marketing co-op or a gin and so those partners help growers meet the deadlines and understand what they need to do. Uh, they also cover the cost of these third-party third verification visits for, for the growers. Um, we, we do license cotton at no cost to most growers. But if a grower participates outside that, that umbrella of the implementing partner group, the farm is responsible for the cost of the third-party verification every three years as well as all the yearly steps that I mentioned earlier. Okay. We, we talked about uh, earlier some of the, the core criteria. What, can, you, can you go into more detail on what are some examples of uh, core criteria? Sure. Most of, most of the core criteria is already uh, being implemented and is pretty familiar for U.S. growers. Um, the criteria that focus on environmental impacts include practices like integrated pest management, making crop protection decisions based on 
pest resistance and, and managing beneficial species populations, you know, handling prop chemicals properly and using PPE, soil testing, crop rotation, efficient irrigation water use, and then prevention of runoff and leaching. And then our decent work criteria cover things like child labor restrictions, limiting hazardous work to adults, and, and making sure that there are appropriate disciplinary measures, clear policies, equal pay for equal work, and the, the right of workers to bargain, bargain collectively. Uh, and then the management systems criteria is really to ensure that record keeping and policies are in effect so that all these other practices can be implemented well and monitored. Okay, thanks. And, and also we talked about, you mentioned something about farm visits. So w what what really is the purpose of a farm visits? Right. So the self-assessment, which all growers do, covers the criteria, but our system requires that we verify the practices of a sample with of the growers with an on-farm visit. And, and these visits are, are pretty critical to provide the an added level of integrity to the program, so they're a crucial crucial part of a credible standard system like like BCIs. So in the U.S., we use a representative sampling system, and we annually select about half of participating farms for some kind of verification visit. It might be a third-party verifier or BCI or implementing partner staff. So these visits are really just a review of the information that we've already received in the self-assessment. We're, we're not looking for ways to find fault. We're confirming that the practices that each grower identified in the self-assessment match those on the ground. So the visits also help us understand the challenges for growers in different areas and answer any growers questions growers may have about BCI or about the standard. So as a, as a global standard, the criteria we use to define sustainable cotton production are universal, but they're implemented very differently according to size and location of the farms. And, and the more we can understand about the challenges specific to a country or a region, the more we can make our work there relevant and accessible to the growers' actual practices. So, so we ask our growers to commit to continuous improvement concepts on their farm, but we also internally commit to improving our process for growers. So with the verification visits, we know that it's really stressful to have someone show up and ask questions about your business, even if you know that you're doing things correctly. But, you know, so we need to be thorough, but we do try to make the process as painless as possible. And, and honestly, it's my favorite part of the job because I get to see, you know, innovative practices that each grower has figured out with their specific farming system and hear what's working and, and what's not really worth the effort. And, and since every farm is, is different, it's, it makes it a very interesting process. Well, Karen, you know, if I put my farmer cap on, it, it's always scary to have somebody come out to ask questions, especially somebody that I really don't know and all that know exactly what they're wanting. So, what kind of questions do you ask and what kind of information do you ask to see? Well, we have we have our primary meeting with with a farm manager or owner and you know often that's the same person. Sometimes the implementing partner or uh, their crop consultant will join us and we usually just meet in the shop office or around uh, tailgate of the truck 
And after an opening meeting where we sort of explain what's involved in the visit, I usually start by having the, the farm management manager describe the overall farm. And, you know, usually if you get them to talk about the farming system, they'll cover things like cropping and irrigation, pest management strategies, soil and water conservation, and, and what, what other land use is on the farm or nearby. And then we'll talk about the farm's workforce and, and figure out sort of what kind of what kind of labor they're using. You know, usually there's unpaid family workers, permanent and seasonal employees, and then there's temporary or custom hires that come through during the season. A lot of this information should already be provided in the self-assessment, and so it's more of a review. And so the, the conversation covers a lot of the questions on the checklist that I have, and then I'll usually follow up with anything that, that we didn't quite cover that I need to ask. We do require maps of, of soil, water, and biodiversity resources, so we ask to see those. And, and those maps come in a lot of different forms. You know, usually growers have FSA aerial photographs, grid sampling maps, and and really what's important for us to see is that the grower can, you know, identify and explain how those resources impact their farm. So so we may talk about how water flows on or off the farm or what kind of habitats and wildlife exists in field buffers and adjoining land. But again, it's, it's more of a conversation than a test. And then we ask to see a mix of other records that the manager may have, including scouting recommendations, spray records, pesticide applicator licenses, any conservation planning documents, soil tests, and, and other input records. We also may ask to see pay stubs or some other confirmation of worker payment or hiring records and, and any written or posted labor policies. So, you know, some growers have the records in a notebook and, and others have these really sophisticated software systems. So we don't care how the information is recorded as long as as long as we can see that it does exist. Then we like to see the pesticide mixing and storage areas and any common areas for workers where you'd post information and, and sites where a grower might be addressing degraded lands or managing field borders or waterways or improving habitat. So that's the, that's the main interview. And then we also do interview 25% of the farm's workers whenever possible to verify that workplace criteria are being met. And so this doesn't include family members. But, you know, we we didn't really talk about this earlier, but the social impacts of cotton farming are a real concern with BCI's members. So, so we'll talk to the worker privately about their responsibilities, any training they've had if they're working with pesticides especially. We verify that... The farm management has practices to ensure no discrimination. Discipline is fair and consistent, and workers aren't prevented from organizing. So our interview is strictly to confirm that the growers meeting BCI criteria, and we don't ask about things like immigration status. And as I mentioned before, we're we're visiting to confirm that the what the farmers already told us on the self-assessment and find successes in areas for improvement. So we're not hunting for errors or mistakes. Well, that's uh, uh, that's certainly good to know. But, you know, 
as we talked at the very start, you know, BCI is a global organization, and, and so you kind of have to, to to cover all situations. And I know in in some areas there may have particular sticking points, but what are some of the sticking points that that is common that you see for U.S. growers? Yeah, I mean, really, most of the criteria are pretty straightforward and and really pretty easy to meet. But there there are definitely a few areas where U.S. practices and and regulations don't quite line up with the BCI standards. One thing is that we're still working on communicating this this concept of continuous improvement planning and how to measure that on each farm. So so that's more of, of our challenge of defining and clarifying our expectations. Uh, biodiversity is another concept that really requires more definition. It's 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 a really broad concept, you know, that requires looking at the farm as a whole. So so it includes everything from soil biology to to wildlife and ha- habitats that are adjacent to the farm. So um, but the farms in part, some parts of the US are really large and only grow a few crops. So so this is an area of concern for some of BCI's brand and retail members about how those farms are, are able to manage their land to support more beneficial habitats and species. So that's, that's, that's one sticking point. Uh, another one we've found is that, you know, BCI uses uh, a global, some globally recognized lists of highly hazardous pesticide active ingredients that are either prohibited or they're targeted for future phase out in a certain period of time and it's based on on their toxicity level so so these lists are are based on a few different international conventions and and in the past there were no prohibited active ingredients labeled for use in the u.s but starting this year we're starting to see ingredients on our list that are registered for use on cotton in the u.s but are prohibited are targeted for prohibition in the future. So aldicarb and forate that are under brands like um, will be Aglogic, is that right? Yes, Aglogic. And, uh-huh. and, um, and Thymet, those aren't allowed for use for licensed better cotton producers. We have found that fewer growers use these substances, but Moving forward, our list will get longer with more common products. And so we're working on helping growers identify less toxic alternatives, but there are still a lot of commonly used substances that that are allowed in BCI standards. So so we're, we're not eliminating chemicals from use on the farm. And, and finally, we're just, you know, we're working to improve our communication and growers' understanding of the program and by doing things like, like this podcast. You know, every year it gets a little bit easier as growers have been participating longer and we understand our challenges and help growers address them. And then we, we're also just working on improving our timing you know, when the cotton season starts, it's really hard to get in and schedule a visit, um, you know, but it is the ideal time just to see production underway. So so we, we do our best to accommodate growers' schedules, but, you know, as you know, some things don't go according to plan. 
Yeah, speaking of going as planned, uh, we kind of have the new norm going on with uh, COVID-19 and such. So how's COVID-19 affecting uh, this season's farm visits? Yeah, well, definitely not going as planned. Um, we, we have developed this alternate approach to farm visits for the 2020 season where we were offering the option of doing a remote visit. So, you know, we really take the safety and health of all our growers seriously. Uh, you know, across the globe, we we want our BCI farmers to stay safe and healthy. So, you know, in-person verifications don't are seeming less possible this year for a lot of growers. And so we have this, this backup system of... Uh, remote or virtual verifications and we leave that up to the the grower the verifier the implementing partner and so the it's pretty fluid depending on you know the local situation and confidence levels but yeah but and we've we've started it's it's really not the same it's it's disappointing because it is really nice to get out to the farm but but you know this year we we've got to be flexible and uh and it's the best we can do. Well, Karen, you know, sometimes when you think about, you know, certification, farm visits, it's all really kind of scary. It's, you know, our conversation today has really helped give me a better understanding of the process BCI uses to help facilitate continuous improvement for the producers and to become more efficient and sustainable and to ensure that our supply chain has confidence in that they are getting the sustainable cotton they want. Yeah, and, you know, we just, we love working with U.S. growers and, you know, we're constantly working to do a better job and, and have the better cotton standard fit the the U.S. cotton production system. So, and we're always here for, you know, for help. If, if anyone ever has any questions, we, we do have a, a website. The U.S. program is at bettercotton.org backslash USA if anyone wants to go there to find out more. Thank you, Karen. We we appreciate you visiting with us today. I, I enjoyed our conversation, really. It's very educational. I want to thank BCI again for their sponsorship. This has been Bill Robertson, and I want to remind you to support Arkansas agriculture by eating rice and wearing cotton. Thanks for joining us on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.edu.